This is Baja SAE Shop Talk, the official podcast of the Baja SAE series. Hey everyone, welcome to this episode of Baja SAE Shop Talk. We're going to be talking about the frame submission and we are joined today by Jeremy and Mark from the national tech team. Thanks for coming and helping us clear some of the confusion up about this particular submission. This generation of competitors has always known this as a submission, but it wasn't that long ago that it wasn't required at all as a pre-submission. What was the thought process for turning this into an official submission a couple years ago? So from the beginning, when a team shows up at tech inspection, in the old time, they would give us their documentation of the frame, which is an invoice or the material certifications, things of that nature. And a problem that we had, especially with foreign teams, was they would give us their invoices, they would give us their equivalency calculations, they would give us uh, these documentations. And we looked at them, and there was no way that we could accept them. Either, one, we don't know who this company is, we can't tell if it was like made up, or you look at an equivalency and uh, the material that they purchased, for whatever reason, they thought it was perfectly acceptable and it's not, not even remotely. And especially Mike Zeman thought that, well, hey, there's a way that we could submit these things uh, online and address these issues earlier rather than later. And so now we have a submission process where the teams can submit this data, we can look over it and address hey, you know, this is not an acceptable invoice because it doesn't have like certain things like dates or numbers, uh, like the right amount of material. Or it's the wrong material, like uh, an insufficient steel or some steel that we've never heard of before, which happens all the time with the foreign team. Um, so that was the thought is to address them because some of these issues, uh, you can come to competition and, and we have no choice but to say, no, you can't compete. You came all the way here from another country or from across the U.S. and you can't compete. And it, it's it's a trivial thing that we can address much earlier. So over the past few years, it's gone through a couple different uh, requirement sets. This year, we've changed it again. So can you give me a recap of what is required of teams this year? It's pretty much been uh, the same since we started. And, it, and really what we've just done is digitize what teams were giving us uh, at competition. The main thing is the roll cage documentation sheet. You need to submit that. You need to submit a receipt of your the metal you purchased, uh, certification for that metal. That was actually a, one of the recent additions, uh, certification. And lastly, the, uh, the roll cage equivalency calculations if you're not using uh, one inch 120 uh, steel. If you get those things in uh, and you do them correctly, that's, that's it. And what about the drawings? The drawings were actually dropped this year. We had started that a couple years ago and, and to also to try to catch things that we had. And actually, once we started seeing the drawings, we discovered we were missing uh, a decent amount of stuff at competition because they were covered by body paneling. You always just missed a couple things. And so it gave us a real good idea of actually the, the best thing that that did was give us ideas of how to modify the rules because uh, we started sort of getting a much better idea of what teams are doing, especially when you can sit there and look at it at your computer and you're not in the heat of competition trying to uh, get through as many cars as you can uh, during tech day. Last year, teams only had one chance to submit. They were given a 
um, approved or rejected, and that was it until competition. What is this year's status going to be? Correct. This year, uh, you have to do an initial submission before, uh, I believe, February 20th. February 15th is the deadline. Uh, If you don't submit it by February 20th, uh, you'll actually be dropped from the event. You can see that's that's in the uh, World Cage uh, documentation template online. Uh, But you can do an initial submission, we'll review it, and you can actually resubmit if you have any errors. Uh, So you can you can eventually get a submitted uh, document. You don't have to worry about fixing it uh, at competition. Perfect. And for anyone that is caught off guard by that five-day window, what Jeremy is talking about is that this year we've changed our 10-day window to a five-day window. So you have your deadline and then you have five days to submit your document on BajaSAE.net before you're removed from competition. So don't wait submit your documents. Uh, We have the cost report deadline coming right after as well. So the sooner you get your submission in, the better. We've gotten a few questions about what happens if I submit a document early and then I need to submit it again before the deadline. As long as the deadline hasn't passed, you can resubmit and not be penalized. Um, So I know the this particular document doesn't have a points penalty attached, but some of the other ones do. So as long as you submit it before the deadline, we will take the most recent document once the deadline passes. So that was a good good thing to point out too, because that is one change that we think is going to affect a few teams this year. So it's no longer 10 days, it's only five days. This submission, what are some of the best practices when it comes to submitting your roll cage information? Best practices for submitting the documentation, a common one is to do a good job of converting the paper copy, uh, well, obviously to use a digital copy whenever possible, um, if the forms were sent digitally, like a, a invoice or material certification. If it's a paper copy, really take the time to make as best a digital copy as you can, what often happens is we get things that are are almost unintelligible, uh, that they're so poorly uh, copied. And sometimes there's nothing to be done. You know, it was written down poorly or handwritten or whatever, but really take the time if you have to adjust the darkness, the contrast, do something to make it legible so that it's easier to read. One of the other big things is uh, you can certainly send uh, your whole package, but we primarily care about what we call the primary material of the roll cage. So that's something to that that's all we're really looking for in terms of invoices, in terms of material certifications. So you can give us material certifications and invoices for all of the tubes on your frame, but we're really not looking at that. We're looking at just what we call the primary materials. Uh, of the uh, roll cage. So it just cuts down on what we have to dig through. Jeremy, anything to add? Yes. Uh, as Mark said, I think, you know, one of the, I think the two most common things are one, it's not legible. You know, they, they took a bad picture. It's fuzzy. It's not very good lighting. And then also when you PDF the word template, there's a little degradation that occurs. And so if it's borderline, when you put it in the word document, then you PDF it. If you don't check it before you upload it, uh, and I can't read it, I'm just going to kick it back as rejected. Another thing I see a lot is generally the uh, material certifications are in landscape format. 
And so I'll get a portrait version of your roll cage spec sheet or your uh, documentation. And then as I scroll to the next page, I can't read your certification because it's essentially rotated 90 degrees off and the text is facing to the right or to the left. And uh, we review all these digitally. And so when you have to review 60 of these and you're rotating back and forth, uh, that's, that's not going to work. So you need to keep everything in the correct orientation when you put it in there, rotate it properly. And you, there's PDF programs to do that easily. Well, that seems like something that when you go into industry, that's something you need to be thinking about too. You wouldn't submit anything as part of your job that was illegible or poorly formatted or the wrong orientation or anything like that. No, yeah, that's, yeah, that's exactly true. And that's, you know, nobody's, yeah, in industry, if you sent that to somebody, they would, they would not be happy. Also, uh, for your material certification sheets, send every page. If it's a five, if I see, you know, page three of five and you just send me page three, I need to see all the pages. That's another uh, thing. One, it's generally missing some of the information we require. And two, uh, industry standard, you know, you're not going to send a certification and just give part of the document. You know, it's, that's what we're looking for. Uh, partially it's paperwork is just to see that, yeah, this, this is a full certification sheet you're sending us. Uh, and I guess the last thing uh, is you need bending stiffness and bending strength for your equivalency calculations. A lot of people seem to miss the bending stiffness, and that requires uh, rejection and resubmittal. To, um, to add to what Jeremy had said, specifically the things that we're looking for, I'll start with what he just ended with. It, it explicitly says that we want to see the bending stiffness and bending strength in SI you know, metric units. That's one where people will still kind of do poor calculations. Well, they'll do them in English and then they'll try to convert them into metric. And these are never, I mean, the calculations have been the same for a long time now, uh, but there's still people that do them incorrectly. And it just, it just adds to frustration because um, now we're telling you, Hey, you got to fix this. This isn't right. And there's more back and forth and um, that can be, uh, just it's a it's a minor nuance that somehow continues to move on through the ages. The other one is, you know, when we ask for the material certs, it's not like we are looking at these and saying, well, well, there's a lot of information on those certifications, and specifically what we're looking for is a carbon content, and you have to be careful because there's an equivalent carbon content. And we're not looking at that. That has to do with weldability. In this case, it's specifically the carbon content uh, for the primary materials. So in the equivalency calculations, we expect that teams will use the ASTME calculation, the, the yield strength for that material, that spec, rather than what's in the certification, since that's typically a lower value than what you will see in the certification for their equivalency calculations. Other items that we look for in particular, like on the invoices, are like recent dates. So like a reasonable date, like if you show up with a, a date on your invoice that's from like 2006, there are some certain, there are some circumstances where teams have purchased steel from a long time ago and they purchased a lot of it, but that's very rare. And what we're looking for is that you, most teams purchase their steel recently 
and we wouldn't we, we want to have a, a way to trace back the steel that's on the car and if a team for instance was replicating the same invoice year after year and showing up to tech with it then we don't really know that it's uh what's on the car it, it's more of um a guessing game so uh, we're looking for recent dates we're looking for uh, a phone number that we can call up the person who sold the material the the company phone number we're looking for is there enough steel on here to actually represent a car so you know typically that's four or five sticks of eight foot long steel tubing if it's just like one foot well it's like okay you just bought you know you purchased one foot of steel and are trying to say that's your invoice like that that's not appropriate because again we're trying to build a case that says what you purchase what's in certifications is what's on the car yeah we're just we're looking for for dates and some of that is in the rollcade spec sheet because you don't you know you can use an old car and change uh, major components of it and so if you you said the car was built in 2015 uh and the materials from 2017 you know that'll raise some some eyebrows uh like i said the correct amount of material generally your your pro your certification needs to be dated before your invoice because how can you test it uh, after you bought it uh, those kind of things pretty much any, any you know if you buy it and you get a material cert uh, from that purchasing source you're, you're going to be fine so we've given teams a lot of things to make sure they've included which is probably some insight that some of these teams had no idea that you were looking for those things especially the international teams if teams still have questions for example in the past when they were using the frame drawings to be submitted they were getting feedback on that. If they still have questions about their frames, what should they be doing for that? If they, if a team has questions about their frame, they would use the method that we've had now for several years, which is to ask a specific question about the frame geometry that, that they're uncertain about. So they would just go ahead and use the rules Q&A system to give a, a, a frame drawing and say, I have a question about this part of my frame. Could you look it over and tell me if this seems reasonable and we'll definitely go ahead and do that uh, the difference is is that now there's just not a requirement that everyone has to submit a drawing that we have to look over everyone's drawing but we'll certainly do it on a case-by-case -case basis through the, our rules q a system so the correct way to go about it is not to submit a facebook question is not to email collegiate competitions is not to email feedback at bajasae.net is not to email Sam Burrell directly. Uh, none of us and none of those methods can help you get answers. So if you do have specific questions about your frame design, you have to submit it through a rules Q&A and the actual tech inspectors will answer your questions. So speaking of the frame inspectors, how many of you are reviewing frame documents? Yeah, I think it's six. Okay, so teams, what that means is there are six people reviewing all 250-some, um, maybe even more than that with the wait list, teams that have to submit these documents on top of their personal lives, their work lives, all any other volunteering that they're doing, honestly, any other things that they're doing within the Baja competition. So there's two takeaways from that. One, please be patient on your feedback and your review and two, please go back to, to listen to this podcast and make an, a list, write out a list of all of the ways that 
these two tech inspectors have given you to make their reviews go quicker, right? The orientations, making sure your documents have all the details that they're looking for. At the end of the day, the quicker they can go through yours, the quicker they can get down the line. So if the people in front of you have their documents good to go, then yours will get to come up for review quicker. So that's one thing that one question that we get consistently is, oh, when can I expect an answer? When can I expect? When can I expect? Well, the reality is that there's a whole lot of documents to be reviewed and not a lot of people reviewing them. Um, and this is a pretty serious document to review. It's not a go in, look for three minutes and check the box, yes or no. So I just wanted to make sure I put that out. And the next part of that is after you graduate and move into industry and you have um, some years under your belt, please consider coming back and volunteering. If you're interested in that, you can email collegiatecompetitions at sae.org and let us know and we can get you in touch for future years with the tech team. I graduated in 2005 and then in 2007. Uh, 2003. So they've been doing this for quite a few years and they're still involved. That is amazing. So um, yeah, just keep that in mind whenever you're graduating. I know we still have quite a few recent graduates who are listening to the podcast and following us on social media. So I just wanted to make sure I gave that plug because eventually, you know, this the generation that graduated in the early 2000s, in the mid 2000s, in the late 2000s are going to be moving on with their life. So just a quick plug for that. And I am always amazed at how many teams come to competition unprepared with what they need. How many teams are looking for a printer to print out a tech sheet? Uh, all of those pieces, which we're going to be doing a podcast about that in the future. And we've already had a few in the past, uh, including a video or two. So do teams need to bring anything to tech inspection regarding their frame check or the documents? Yes, uh, they do need to print out a copy of essentially everything they submitted uh, with the roll cage documentation template. So receipt, uh, equivalencies, certification, and the, uh, the actual roll cage spec sheet um, all needs to be printed out and brought to competition. Even if it's been submitted and even if it's been uh, accepted, we still uh, take that up. It did remind me, one one of the things we also uh, see not done is the uh, signature block on the roll cage uh, spec sheet. It needs to have, needs to be both signed and dated, you know, by both the captain and the advisor. We get, every year we get several where there, somebody forgets to date it or the advisor doesn't sign it. That's a, that's a big, that's a big problem. It's a common misconception uh, that the signature and date block for the tech, the roll cage specification sheet, and sometimes the technical inspection sheets, that it, it's supposed to be signed when they go through tech inspection. The point of the, those documents is that you, the individual, the team, went through and are personally sort of saying, yes, we have looked over this. Yes, we have the, these, these documents we have gone over them. So, you know, sometime before competition, you, you print off your roll case specification sheet. You, well, not sometime. You do it before you got to submit all these documents now. But that's the idea. You submit them, you sign them, you date them before competition. Because the idea is that you've done this before competition, not that we're doing it at competition. 
So the onus is on the team, not on the inspector. And this is especially important for teams that don't have a faculty advisor that comes to competition with them. So even if they forget, they have no other recourse. So another important note is if your advisor is not traveling with you to competition, then it is imperative that all of the appropriate signatures are correctly signed and dated that he needs, he or she needs to do. Because if you don't have that advisor there to, to sign, then you can't compete. And in theory, those documents should have been reviewed prior to actually arriving at competitions. That was kind of the one of the major thoughts behind doing an online submittal and submitting it early, earlier than just showing up at tech inspection, was to catch all of these little things that potentially could keep you from competing and addressing them much, much earlier. Yeah, I think there's there seems to be a feeling that techs are looking to fail people. And we've had so many techs on the podcast and the videos that have reiterated again and again, that's not their intention in any way. We want to see teams compete. It doesn't help us when teams are sitting in the paddock packing up on endurance day because they're unable to compete in any dynamic events. So again, we're doing these podcasts so that teams have some understanding of why we do the things we do, why techs make the decisions they make, why requirements are what they are. We'd love to have an endurance with 100 cars racing. So please take a minute to send this podcast on to whoever is responsible for your frame or whoever is responsible for submitting your documents or whoever carries the binder at competition. So Yeah, I'd read what, what Amanda said. Uh, we're not here to... To fail teams. If anything, if every single car passed the first time through tech, it would be awesome. Uh, you know, we're we're there because uh, we like Baja. We like to see the cars. Uh, we like to see the competition. And you know, having a bunch of teams fail out for for silly stuff is you know doesn't help. That uh, there are minimum requirements that we have to enforce. Uh, but if you pass that, that's great. One common misconception among the teams is that, like you were saying, like the techs are out there to fail them. You know, I, I was a student, I was a competitor. I know that feeling of, well, look, we built this. We think it's fine. You know, you should let us race because, because you know, we don't want to get injured. We want to be safe, but, but we built this and it's okay. As a student, you think that you can accept this sort of personal liability for your own safety. And that's really not... There's a transition, like when you come over to the national tech side, when you come over to the organizing side, we have to make sure that you're safe, including being safe from yourself. So you may not think that this is, you know, oh, this is safe enough. Believe me, this is safe enough. You know, we've we've done analysis, we've done testing, it's safe enough. And it's like, but it has to meet our requirements because we have to say that it's safe enough. That's a common thing that you just, the, the students don't quite see it from from a perspective of somebody who's organizing this. And wants to make sure that at the end of the day, no one's injured, no one's hurt. And, and when you have to take on that responsibility, that's where this paperwork comes from. So a lot of times you're kind of like, yeah, I don't understand why you need this. Why, you know, why can't you just let us run? You know, we've got this, you know, this terrible, <laughs> terrible invoice or terrible whatever. And it's just like, oh, but it's okay. It's like, no, we have to prove it because we're responsible for you, whether you want it or not. Yeah. I mean, ultimately we, we as SAE and we as the tech team provide all of the information up front that teams need to abide by 
in the form of the rules and the documents. And as long as teams follow that and use common sense, it's it's not your rule that you're creating, Mark. It's SAE's rule. And you're simply help helping to ensure that that rule has been met. So as long as teams are making a solid effort to be compliant, there's no reason that they shouldn't compete. Every Almost every mistake we talked about on this podcast is avoidable, right? So yes, you can't control what invoice is sent to you. However, do your due diligence, get it in early. We can easily correct that mistake in enough time for you to go back get an updated invoice and get it submitted so that when you're on site, you're not being turned away because you just dropped the ball. I think that's it for this topic. Uh, We're going to try something new this year. I want to end each episode with a quick question, uh, a little bit more of a fun question for our guests. They don't know anything about this, so I'm just springing it on them. What does Baja mean to you in one word? Mark? Dedication. Honestly, Nothing, no one more dedicated on site than the tech team that come to two or three events on their own vacation time to spend it getting dirty looks from students and faculty advisors and then sitting out in the heat and the dirt and the mud and all the things just to make Bajas happen. Jeremy? Uh, I guess, honestly, the, the word crazy popped into my head first. I don't know if that's what I'd go with if I thought about it, but uh, yeah. I think teams would agree. Yeah, I mean, it is. It's a it's a cacophony of, of you know, 100 teams, you know, 800 people, uh, a couple hundred volunteers uh, over three days, you know, and it's just, you, you see some, some crazy stuff out there. You know, you see a, a wheel fall off, a control arm snap in half, they get towed in, they fix it in half an hour, bring it back out. Uh you know, you see that year in, year out, you know, the unexpectedness of competition and what, it, you know, how students uh, persevere to get through it. Don't forget to make sure you subscribe on iTunes and Stitcher. We'll be having a lot of really important podcasts coming up. We're going to do one on the cost report. Um, we're doing one on how to manage your the tech inspection process from a project management standpoint instead of looking at it from a technical standpoint. We're talking to the design team with Polaris. So we've got a lot of good stuff coming up. This should be a great year for Baja. Thanks everyone for joining us today. Mark, Jeremy, thank you. And we'll see you in California. Thanks for listening to Baja SAE Shop Talk. As always, we want to hear from you. So email BajaSAE at SAE.org. The show notes for this episode, as well as all others, can be found at www.BajaSAE.net slash podcast. Stay safe and we'll catch you next episode. Yes, I have an amazing personal life.